Welcome to KXA News today. Here are your Thursday morning headlines. The Downtown Austin Alliance is hosting a safety forum today. They'll talk about the Homeless Strategy Division's Homeless Shelter Assessment Study. The meeting starts at 8.30 this morning. Ascension Seton nurses are going to be in Missouri today from Austin. They're going to join other nurses in Missouri to rally outside Ascension's headquarters. The nurses are prepared to strike over what they say is unsafe staffing conditions. How you get around Hayes County is up for discussion today. You can have some input on the State Highway 45 Gap Project at a county meeting tonight. The proposed plan would expand SH-45 between I-35 and RM-1626. This meeting starts at 4.30 this afternoon in Buda at the Sunfield Station Event Center. And we could possibly see record-breaking temperatures this week. The group overseeing the state's power grid saying we could see potentially tight power grid conditions as well. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tom Miller. I'm Sally Hernandez. And Kristen, the reason for that is ERCOT is forecasting a lot of people are going to be using energy mm -hmm. with this extreme heat. Absolutely. Temperature is getting hotter and hotter. I want to tell you, grid conditions normal now, meaning there's enough energy to meet demand. However, you are urged to plan ahead through the next few days and try to conserve energy where you can. Let's begin with a look at the temperatures this morning because we're currently sitting in those mid-70s out in the hill country, but low 80s from all Austin eastward. Yesterday, we actually didn't cool uh, below the 80s. We set a new record for the warmest morning low that we've ever seen on yesterday's date, but we'll be pretty close again today, too. Temperatures are in the 70s and 80s, but the humidity brings our feels like temperatures still up to 90 degrees right now here in Austin. Feels like 90 in Bastrop. Feels like 94 degrees right now in LaGrange. So these heat index values continue to be a problem, not only in the afternoon, but in the morning, too. Your rock and dirt yard camera there in Buda showing dry conditions. There is some cloud cover up top, kind of like what we've seen recently. Clouds thickest in the morning, and then we do see some clearing get underway by early afternoon. Temperatures going from the 80s to the 90s, and eventually we are on our way to the century mark. Forecast high 100 today with a forecast feels like temperature of 107. Now, in addition to the heat, we're also going to be tracking the risk of a strong to severe storm out west. I'm hoping that brings us the chance of some rain cooled air, but I'm really not expecting it to be in the Austin Metro eastward and the heat and humidity continue to be alerting these heat advisories. This has been extended yet again through the day today and tomorrow, so it's not set to expire until 8 p.m. tomorrow, but again, I have a strong feeling that is going to be with us as we get into the weekend too. There's really not a whole lot of change in our temperatures. The rain coverage looks minimal, but today a strong to severe storm will be possible in some spots of Central Texas. So I'll walk you through who's favored for some of those stronger storms, and then we'll break down the numbers day by day. It's all coming up in your first morning forecast. Kristen, thank you. Workers will begin construction when it comes to I-95, the main roadway between the East Coast, two largest cities, New York City and Philadelphia, the reconstruction work continues after a tanker fire caused a section of that highway to collapse earlier this week. And the rush to rebuild the critical Northeast artery is not just top of mind for daily commuters, but really businesses that rely on transportation through the region. Of the 160,000 vehicles that rely on the now severed section of I-95, roughly 14 15,000 are trucks that are now facing more than 40 miles of detours. Next on the Today Show, the latest on that fiery interstate collapse in the Philadelphia area that has snarled traffic and is now starting to impact the regional supply chain. 
And former President Donald Trump is admitting he took classified documents to his home in Mar-a-Lago, but says without evidence that he declassified them. And it's not clear whether that political defense is going to translate to a legal defense. Comes as the criminal case appears to be increasing Trump's support within the GOP. NBC's Garrett Hake is tracking it all. Hey, good morning. That war of words between Donald Trump and his prosecutorial antagonist picked up a little bit yesterday with Merrick Garland, the attorney general, defending Jack Smith, the prosecutor who he appointed to be the special counsel, calling him and his team uh, uh, people of integrity and arguing that they were defending the rule of law in their prosecution of Donald Trump. We look back at the arraignment, the, all the drama from that day, and the latest readout from Bedminster here where I am in New Jersey, what Donald Trump has been up to, what he and his team are thinking as they try to turn his legal liabilities into political opportunities in the 2024 primary. And here's a hint. There's some new polling out that shows it's working. That's all coming up this morning on Today. Okay, fresh off the heels of the inaugural two-step in here in Central Texas at Music Festival. Yeah. It continues to grow in the fastest growing city in the U.S. The Georgetown Parks and Rec Department says it wants to build the best parks it can to make old and new residents happy. And KXAN's Mercedes Hernandez talked with the park leaders to find out what's in the works for the city's parks master plan. So do you want to hold my coffee for a little bit? Okay, no drinking it though. I'm too young for that. <laughs> David Insall takes his son to the same Georgetown parks he grew up with as a kid. But among the green lawns and gravel trails, some things have changed. I think we had one playground and the community center. We've always had this path, but all these new playgrounds is huge. Even more changes are on the way. We are looking at doing some pedestrian safety across um, roadways, um, adding extra lighting in the parks. Kimberly Garrett is the director of Georgetown's Parks and Rec Department. This week, she gave a presentation on the city's five-year capital improvement plan for parks. Projects include renovating the city's rec center, building a second rec center on the west side of town, and making it easier to navigate park trails. Adding parking, restrooms, maybe seating um, at certain key locations. Um, will be uh, helpful for the residents to access the hike and bike trails. These are projects based on the city's park master plan, which recommends improvements to be made over the next 10 years. Garrett says Georgetown has already seen success from previous master plans. Renovations at San Gabriel Park years ago aimed to draw in a large event. The two-step in music festival kicked off this past spring and is set to return in 2024. The proceeds um, from the two-step in um, went to the Friends of Georgetown Parks and Recreation. So there's definitely um, opportunity to have the Friends of Georgetown Parks and Recreation fund some of these capital projects. In Georgetown, Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. What the Round Rock School District is doing to help students who are experiencing homelessness. And the new proclamation in Liberty Hill that led to people who live there booing the mayor. In just the last few months, Round Rock School District saw a big increase in the number of students who are homeless. KXAN's Nabil Ramana shows us what the district is doing to help them over the summer. This year, about 1,000. It was very, very challenging. Students in Round Rock ISD experienced homelessness. I grew up living in hotels. Students like Jalea McDaniel. It's hard because you feel like, you know, you don't fit in. You don't know how to live like a normal kid. A little help can go a long way, and through these doors here on Round Rock ISD's campus, there's a lot going on to make that happen. Like automatically, a blanket makes 
a kid and an adult smile. Desiree Vermontes is in charge of the district's Families in Transition program. We provide food support throughout. We provide um, school support. From 700 students in November. We're seeing more and more students. To 1,000 by the end of the school year, a 40% increase. It may even be more than that because some students may not let the district know. So I didn't want to take the help or ask for it. But once McDaniels did let them know, things got a little better. Honestly, because even just eating helps you get through the day. The program is not only helping students get back on their feet, but it's preparing them for the future. Yeah, it definitely helped me graduate. We've got more graduates. We've got more kids going into college. We've got more kids getting promoted pre-K through 12. FIT is federally funded. But they do rely on donations and partnerships. For us, it was more of a call to action. Clifford Blevins so saw the story we ran in November and reached out with his church, making donations and offering gift cards for the kids. I'm really concerned to hear so many kids in this area. Haley Miller wanted to help as well. And I really appreciate it, and I, I look forward in volunteering more. Veramontes says her main goal, letting the kids know someone cares. And asking those students, what do you want to be? And how do you want to get there? Nabil Ramadna, KXAN News. And Nabil tells us that 26 students in the district's Families in Transition program graduated this year and are now headed to college. A mother convinced that her daughter had been kidnapped. How an old scam is reappearing with a new twist. Good morning, everyone. From the camera that we have for you over at the Rock and Dirt Yard in Buda, you can see I-35 right there, some cars and trucks on the road. I'm gonna check in with traffic expert Erica Brennis to bring you the latest on what that is looking like throughout the newscast. But first, you can go check out some award-winning work over in San Marcos, Pulitzer Prize winner Cormac McCarthy, known for influential work such as The Road, passed away at the age of 89 on Tuesday, but all of his work still lives on in Central Texas. And you can see his archives for yourself at the Texas State University Whitliff Collection at the Al Keck Library on campus. Texas State got McCarthy's archives back in 2007. It opened the collection to researchers from around the globe two years later. This collection contains nearly 100 boxes, including notes, drafts of his novels, proofs, and other items documenting McCarthy's extraordinary career. Well, Austin's iconic shop, Toy Joy, is going to celebrate its 36th anniversary with a new location. Owners revealing Toy Joy will take over the old Caravel Shoes on Burnett Road, and that's in the Brentwood, Allendale area. They hope to open on Saturday, July 1st. The last five years, Toy Joy occupied a spot on Airport Boulevard. The store left its longtime location on Guadalupe in 2013, moving to a spot downtown and then changing some of its ownership. That second street location will stay open as well. It's really a cool spot too around um, the holidays, Christmas time, when you get yeah. to kind of buy something that's very iconic from Austin. Yeah, Fun. absolutely. Is it like like the modern toys or like vintage toys? Yeah, it's it's a little mix of both. <gasps> yeah. Love that. Uh -huh. Very cool. All right, let me show you what's going on with your forecast today. Clouds and radar not showing anything of concern yet. We do have a storm risk later on today, but it won't get you wet for the morning commute. We have dry roads out. There, some cloud cover up top. The Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center camera showing me a temperature of 80 degrees. It is warm everywhere. Upper 70s to low 80s as we start our Thursday. We will finish with forecast highs in the upper 90s to low 100s. So going with a high of 100 here in Austin. Feels like temperatures.
up to about 107. It's not just an Austin thing. Everybody looking at feels like temperatures above 100 degrees will be anywhere from about 103 to 110 in spots. Yesterday's heat index uh, actually topped out at about 105 in downtown Austin. So just a little bit more on the heat today. And because of that, the heat advisory gets extended not only through today, but tomorrow as well. This thing is in place until 8 p.m. Friday for the I-35 and Eastern counties here. So it's not that we're not seeing the heat out west. It's just that we've got more of that moisture, more of that humidity along in east of I-35, and that's where we're seeing even hotter heat index values. As far as the storm chances go today, it's going to be really tough. There's a cap in place. These storms have to overcome a lot to develop, but we do have some models indicating some strong to severe storms over the hill country in the I-35 corridor. I'd be shocked if it's this expansive. I think these things are going to be few and far between. Most of us stay dry. It's a 10 to 20% chance of storm, so I, I'm not expecting to be tracking a lot on radar, but those storms that do overcome the odds and develop could bring some large hail, damaging winds, and maybe even an isolated tornado threat. It's a two out of five in the northwest hill country. That's where the risk is highest. A one out of five risk in the dark green color, which does include all of the Austin Travis County area and Williamson County area. That will happen later on this afternoon and evening. Seven day, 10 to 20% chance of those storms developing today with a high of 100. Tomorrow likely break the record with a forecast high of 104. Humidity still a problem. Adding in an isolated storm chance for your Saturday could see one or two of these storms redevelop to start the weekend, but it will not wash out plans. High temperatures continue to be the main story with 103 to 106 degrees Saturday, Sunday into early next week and your overnight lows just barely beneath 80 degrees for the next six to seven nights. So not looking at a, a significant rain event anytime this week. It's all about the heat and humidity. Thank you, Kristen. Bud Light, no longer America's top-selling beer. After more than two decades, it fell to second place behind Modelo in sales. Bud Light's fall from the beer bestseller list, likely from the fallout after a transgender influencer appeared on Instagram with a customized Bud Light can. That social media post ignited a boycott. Some people in Liberty Hill not happy with the mayor's proclamation recognizing and honoring the LGBTQ plus community there. KXN's Brianna Hollis explains what led to the announcement and why this is so personal for some. Do you proclaim the month of June as Gay Pride Month in Liberty Hill? A pride proclamation showing the rest of the citizens that we love and care for them met with protest. Slap in the face. A packed room for public comment at Liberty Hill Council Chambers, most there to speak in opposition of the proclamation. Divisive and irrelevant proclamation is sadly in the official record. Then opposing hate, abuse, discrimination, or bullying. That can all be true without proclaiming the month of June as Pride Month in Liberty Hill. Comments met with claps from some and silence from others. It's supposed to be a day of acceptance. It's not even a celebration because it's a fight. This move inspired in part by Amanda Crossland, who lost her teen son JC to suicide shortly after he came out. Of him playing guitar. That's your favorite one? That's one of them favorite, yeah. Photos, notes, and old gifts, all she has left of him. She stood in front of the crowd with two others as the mayor read the proclamation. You know, I, I didn't expect when I was going to show up to City Hall today that there would be 
a huge amount of hatred. As many disagreed with Crossland and with the proclamation as a whole, the mayor pro tem told the crowd there's no action item associated with it. And by the way, it's just a proclamation. It's not a policy. Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. In Liberty Hill, the mayor is able to bring forth proclamations, doesn't need approval from the rest of the city council. Council member Angela Jones, though, spoke at the start of the meeting saying she did not agree with this. Going in depth, suicide is one of the leading causes of death among young people and the LGBTQ plus youth are at significantly increased risk. That's according to the Trevor Project. Now, these kids are four times more likely to attempt suicide than their peers. The group estimates more than 1.8 million seriously consider suicide every year in the U.S. And in 2021, the Centers for Disease Control determined that in the first half of the year, nearly 50% of teenagers who identify as LGBTQ plus seriously considered suicide. When it comes to suicide, sometimes a phone call can truly save a life. That is the important work happening at Integral Care's 988 Life Center, that's the call center. The Austin Center, one of two in Texas, and now it's getting more funding to enhance and expand its crisis response team. Sometimes people just need to hear another voice of support, and that's what 988 offers. And so we hope that rather people call, text, or chat, that they're able to make a human connection and be able to talk about what's happening with them. Have you ever had suicidal thoughts before? Call takers answered nearly 12,000 calls from Texans just this last month. An old scam with a new twist. Con artists are now using artificial intelligence to trick and convince people that a loved one has been kidnapped in order to extort money. And for just a few dollars a month, this is happening with a snippet of audio, new artificial intelligence software cloning a person's voice to make it say anything. Jennifer DeStefano tells Vicki Wen that she was convinced her 15-year-old daughter, Brianna, had been kidnapped. How much did it sound like your daughter? It sounded, I never doubted it was her. I, I had a full conversation with her. It was the way she cries, it was the way she sobs, it was the way she would respond to me, it was the pacing of her voice, the way she would talk. I never for one second thought it wasn't her, not once. It's chilling to hear that. Coming up next on today, Vicki talking with experts on some tips to help you avoid becoming a victim. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning to you. Well, it's been speculated since July of 21 when they announced Texas and OU were going to the SEC. Now it's official. The opponents reveal for the first year of SEC play with Texas and Oklahoma. And yes, the rivalry will be renewed. Texas and Texas A&M will play for the first time since 2011 at Kyle Field. That was the 92nd meeting between the two schools. And after more than a decade off, they will play at Kyle Field again. We do not have a date. Here it is, the opponents, not the dates. The Longhorns on the right, the away opponents. You see OU considered a road game. It will be at the Cotton Bowl. Also, back to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt. By the way, Vanderbilt, the only team of the eight that has a winning record over Texas. Longhorns 3-8-1, last matchup 1928. Florida and Georgia coming to Austin as well as Kentucky and Mississippi State. Greg McElroy was the Alabama quarterback when they beat Texas for the national title. He is a Texan and an ESPN analyst. 
Obviously, Texas has had a taste of Alabama, not just last year, but this year as well. So it's, I think, only appropriate to welcome them into the league by showing off the very best that we have to offer <laughs> as a league. So it'll be a good litmus test for the Longhorns and the Sooners as they make this leap. Every SEC team will play Texas and Oklahoma in the first two years of the new SEC. Back to you. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.